Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. I'm really excited about what God is doing in the church. I mean, today we were with the college students, and you know by now that we do that every, every Wednesday, and a part of what we're doing is we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and it's giving us a year to really for me to be able to pour into them week after week what it means to walk in the Spirit, how to function in the power of the Spirit, and to watch the students be transformed in that way is really so, so exciting. So we go in there, and you never know what God's going to do, and we start each week with testimonies. It's so fun to hear the testimonies. I'll share with you a couple of them uh, from today. Grayson said after the prayer meeting last week, I was headed back to South Campus, and the Lord dropped in my heart to go to Dollar General to pray with someone. Before I walked into the store, I prayed that God would make it apparent who I needed to talk to. As soon as I walked in the door, I saw a woman who looked like she was having a hard time walking and had extremely hard time breathing. She ended up standing right in front of me in the checkout line. I overheard her asking one of the workers for some help with carrying the groceries to her car. So I jumped on the opportunity and carried the groceries to her car. I asked her what her name was and if there was anything I could pray for her about. She said yes and explained how she had had COVID a few weeks ago and was still having trouble breathing. So I began to pray for her and she began to shake and I could hear her breathing begin to improve. It's pretty good, isn't it? When I got done praying for her, I asked her how she felt and she said, I feel amazing. I mean, that's part of what we're seeing happen. You know, I praise God for everything he does in this room, but if he only does it in the room and doesn't do it out in the community, it will die in this room. And one of the things that I'm praying for is that God is going to set his hand on every single person who's a part of James River. So like a mighty army through the week, we're doing what that testimony just talked about, that we're watching for people, that we're saying, Lord, lay somebody on my heart. And if God says, hey, you need to stop in Dollar General, I've got a divine appointment for you there. You may not have even needed anything or wanted to go to Dollar General, but you're there because you understand there's somebody that God is sending you to. Emerson said this last Wednesday, I decided to stop by Price Cutter to see if there was anyone that God wanted me to pray for. The day before, I'd gotten a vision of an older lady in the chip aisle. So you never know what's gonna happen in the chip aisle. That's a good aisle, by the way. I walked two circles around the store before I saw the lady that I felt led to pray for. As I walked towards her, she went into the chip aisle. I walked over and casually started a conversation and asked if she needed prayer. She lit up and she said, yes, please. I woke up really sick this morning. I prayed and nothing happened. But then her daughter walked around the corner. I introduced myself and asked her to join us in prayer. She was resistant to praying, but decided to join. I prayed again for her and her mother was healed. Isn't that amazing? 
You know, it's, it, there's a boldness in that faith, and you can see why God didn't touch the woman in the first try, because he wanted the daughter, who had no interest in praying, to witness what God could do. Then I invited them to DSN, and they said they haven't been to church in several years, but they would be there. Praise the Lord. Isn't that great? Casey said, I have neck pain since I was a freshman in high school. I've had it. Last week during team night, God completely healed me, and I don't have any pain at all. So amazing things are happening. So say it can happen at worship team night. It can happen on Wednesday night. It can happen on Sunday morning. It can happen in the chip aisle at Price Cutter. It can happen at Dollar General. It can happen absolutely anywhere. This is happening because of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Boldness and power come from being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just the students that God wants to use. We err if we think, well, they're college kids, so they can do that. No, what's happened to the students is, from the get-go at the start of the year, we talked about the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think all of them now have been filled with the Holy Spirit. It's really awesome to watch and to see. I mean, we've had our staff in there and, and staff members that, because we have support staff in there that have not been filled with the Holy Spirit, have been filled, have been refilled, because that's where everything starts. Again, as we've been reading the book of Acts, Jesus said, you'll receive power, dunamis, mighty power, miraculous power, supernatural power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses. You'll have a boldness to talk to people you don't know and a boldness to pray for people for miracles, and God will work through that to touch people. So I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you looked for somebody on the chip aisle? When's the last time you said, you know what, I felt the Lord is speaking to my heart about I'm going to turn in to the gas station. Mike Quan told us that story about going to the gas station, witnessing to somebody, not interested, and then meeting them again at a, another gas station just by coincidence and talking to them, having the person break down and rededicate their life to the Lord. You see, God wants every single one of us to have that. And I'm telling you, as we pray for revival, as we talk about revival, as we believe in a move of God, if it only happens in this room, then it will die in this room. But God is doing things in this room because God wants to do things outside this room. God is touching people here to build your faith, to believe he can touch people out there, right? It's amazing. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the power, the importance of being filled full of the Holy Spirit. Some have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Tonight's your night. Others have been filled, but you do not have the boldness to go down the chip aisle and pray for somebody you don't know. And that's indicative of one thing, and one thing alone, you're not as full of the Holy Spirit as you ought to be, as God wants you to be, and probably as you want to be, right? Because it's not 
personality that does this. If I introduced you to the students I'm talking about, in most cases, they would strike you as somewhat reserved. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, when you're walking with him, when you're, when you're so in love with God because of his power working in you, you're gonna hear him speak at night. You're gonna have like, like the one student had a vision of, of that happening and then a day later watches it become a reality. Listen, if we talk about the book of Acts and we only view it as a Bible study, we've missed the whole point completely. Does God want us to have information and knowledge and understanding of his word? Absolutely. But if we have knowledge, if we have understanding, but we don't have application in kind as what we're reading, we've missed the point entirely. Acts chapter four and verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Remember, Peter and John have been told, don't talk about Jesus anymore. If you do, it's gonna go really bad for you. Remember, we crucified Jesus. They come back, say to the church, Here's what they've said, and the church says, okay, well, let's pray. They're telling us not to talk. Let's pray for boldness. They pray, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. That's what happens when the Spirit of God shows up. It changes us. It takes Peter who was a coward who couldn't stand up to people at a fire where they were warming themselves as Jesus was being tried and Jesus was right there and watching him. I read it today in my devotions. After the third denial, in Luke's gospel, the rooster crows and Jesus looks at him and Peter sees it and he goes out and he weeps. But now just months later, Peter is preaching with a boldness, with a clarity, with a power. What happened? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. It transformed his life. It made him something he never was before. That's the power of the Spirit. I want to make just a couple of observations. We're not going to take a long time with this because I want to give you a chance to be filled with the Spirit, refilled with the Spirit, and I want to challenge you to, to use that freely you've received, freely give. The Spirit comes upon us, the first observation, in response to prayer. Now, this is a continual theme in Luke's Gospel and in the book of Acts, and remember, Luke is the one who wrote both books. They're a volume one, volume two type set. Luke takes great pains to show that whenever people pray, that's the prerequisite to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. To this end, I would say, if you've never received, then the key is to pray, 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 pray. And what we're hearing is all the time people are saying, I mean, recently somebody just said they, they were dreaming, they've been praying and praying to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you know it's really on your heart when you start dreaming about it, right? Yeah. And in their dream, they dreamt 
that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they were speaking in tongues and they woke up and guess what? They were speaking in tongues. I mean, God is working in a variety of ways and, and people, I mean, uh, they're, they're receiving, we're getting the testimonies of that. But people ask, what do I have to do? Pray. The disciples prayed for 10 days. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me just give you some sense from Luke's gospel. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended. This is the Spirit of God coming upon the Son of God that enables him to do the miracles he does in the gospel. Is he God? Yes. But he set aside the prerogatives of deity and he said, I'm only going to do what my Father tells me to do. And Luke will make this point in Luke chapter 5. The Spirit of the Lord or the power of the Lord was present for him to heal. What is that saying? Sometimes it wasn't. He only did what the Spirit was empowering him to do. He was giving us an example that you and I would follow in his footsteps. So here he is, he's praying, and the Holy Spirit comes down on him. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 13, Jesus said, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? And by evil, he's saying sinful people know how to do good things toward their children. Even people who don't know Jesus, who are at times very uh, sinful in behavior, would do good things for their kids. That's not always true, but it's often true. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And this is after he said, so I tell you, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door is open. And that's in a story that has to do, a parable that has to do with people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I'm simply saying to you, you may have asked before, ask again. He, the one who asks and keeps on asking, knocks and keeps on knocking, seeks and keeps on seeking. A lot of people don't receive, they, they quit too soon. There's a tenacity, there's a desire, and there is a work of the Lord that happens as we're seeking him. But when we pray, the Spirit of God shows up. I can tell you that's the record of Scripture in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. They were all joined together constantly in prayer. They're praying for 10 days. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They prayed and they were filled. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 15, when they arrived, that's Peter and John, so Philip, he is not an apostle, he goes to a, a village in Samaria, he preaches, he heals people, people are baptized, so they're saved, but they've not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jerusalem hears about this, and Jerusalem says, well, it's very, very critical that they are filled with the Spirit. So critical, we're sending Peter and John down to pray for them. 
Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, they'd simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, which involves what? Praying, and they received the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter nine, you have the story of the apostle Paul. He's blinded by a vision of the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. He's going to persecute Christians. He's killed Christians. He's tortured them so they blaspheme God. He's, he's been the worst. He says, as he recounts his life in 1 Timothy, he says, the worst of sinners am I. But Christ died for me. It's very, very interesting. The Holy Spirit doesn't say, you know, Paul, You've got low self-esteem here. You need to quit talking like, no, the Holy Spirit lets that statement stand. Why? Because it was true. He was, at the time he met Jesus, unbelievably wicked. As far as you can get from God. And God reaches down and God saves him. And as he's there, he has this encounter with Christ. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. How long is he praying? Three days. All he's doing is praying for three days. He's blind, he can't see, he's met Jesus. Why is he spending that time praying? Because that prayer time is preparatory for God's presence to come upon him and to anoint him with the Holy Spirit in a way that will transform his life to a degree he has no idea, can't begin to imagine. Says in a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Then when Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul was. I mean, prayer is answered and God sends the Holy Spirit. The message is really, really clear. We pray and we receive. We pray and we receive. We pray and we receive. We pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and I believe thousands are gonna receive who never prayed. Because you're paving the way. Because what God is doing here is supernaturally significant, I think in a way beyond what any of us realize. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, he's a Roman centurion. He's a God-fearer, but he is not a Christian. He hasn't given his heart to Jesus because he hasn't heard the gospel message. Cornelius answered to Peter four days ago when I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you. So he's been praying, he's been seeking God, and now Peter is there. And Peter begins to preach, and as Peter begins to preach, what happens without Peter laying his hands on anybody, the Holy Spirit's poured out on them. Spontaneously, instantly, a move of God. Why? Because Peter's praying, Cornelius is praying, and as people pray, the Spirit is poured out. 
That's what Luke, Luke's wanting you to see that connection. It's in the gospel and it's in the book of Acts. It's everywhere in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 19, Paul comes on the interior road to Ephesus. As he comes along, he meets some people that he calls disciples or the, or the Bible calls disciples. And he asks, the first question Paul wants to know when he meets these people, not where they work, not where the best pizza in Ephesus is, not, I mean, Paul says, your believers, well, have you received since you believed? If you met the Apostle Paul, his first question would be, oh, you're a Christian? Well, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? If not, get ready. Because Paul's going to slap his hands right on your head, and he's not letting go till you are filled with the Spirit, right? Paul placed his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. They said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. He said, well, whose baptism were you baptized in? And they said, John's. And he said, well, John's was a baptism of repentance, but he was telling us to believe in the one who'd come after him, Jesus. And on hearing about the Lord Jesus, they put their faith in him, they were baptized, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The pattern is there. Listen, God is doing something really significant and supernatural in the church, and it's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. You say, when did all this start? It was, um, it would have been a, a couple years ago, it was during the pandemic, so it probably was in the fall of 2020, and I was asked to speak to the district superintendents, the state, leaders of the Assemblies of God and the national officers, they get together once a year for a retreat and they asked if I would speak and they assigned me the theme of an open heaven. So I'm, you know, I'm thinking about that, praying about that. And as I'm, as I'm studying it initially, I have to be honest with you. I was like, eh, I don't know whether that's what I would have chosen to preach on. I mean, they're all preachers. They all, they all know all about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But as I studied it, my heart became super convicted. Became convicted because what can happen so easily is we can find as ministers, our ministry relegated to what we do on a platform or what we do behind a desk. And just the sense that we need to be involved in touching people, praying for people, leading people to Christ, stepping out, and that's only gonna happen with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so that, that requires an open heaven experience where God comes down and refills us like he did Peter and, and John and the disciples in Acts chapter four. And really at that meeting, challenged the leaders and said essentially, if you don't have the boldness to go out and talk to people you don't know about Jesus aside from your role, then you don't have the fullness of the Holy Spirit like you need it. You can imagine that goes over real well in a room full of preachers. <laughs> I had people afterwards say, boy, you seem really excited about the Holy Spirit. I said, absolutely, I am. Yeah. But at that point, I mean, things really began to change for me. And Debbie and I began to talk a lot about it, began to pray more about it. After that, I, you know, it's, it's like in December and I, I tell Debbie, I say, you know what? I've never met him. I don't know him. I haven't, you know, but I, I feel like God has put in my heart. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to visit with Bill Johnson. And 
Honestly, now you're going to say, well, I don't know how you could even think this. I didn't know he was such a big deal, honestly. I didn't. So Debbie's like, well, why don't you call his office and see if you can set up an appointment? I said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to work through that maze that somehow you have to work through sometimes. And she said, well, if you're not going to call his office, how do you think you're ever going to talk to him? I said, I think the Lord will set it up because I don't believe this desire is from me. I think it's from the Lord because it is, it would never have entered my mind for years. And all of a sudden it's something I'm thinking about. And so what happens is through a turn of events, Debbie talks to somebody and says, this is what John is, is feeling and thinking. And this person knows Bill and tells Bill, hey, there's a pastor in Missouri who, and Bill knows nothing about James River, knows nothing about us. They just said, there's a pastor. Bill said, well, have him call me. Here's my cell phone. So I get a cell phone number and I sit on it for like two weeks. <laughs> You're like, what's the matter with you? I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just like, I want the right time, the right place. And it's the holiday season. And I'm like, the last thing I want to do is call him and say, hey, Bill, John Lundell here in Missouri. And he's like, Hey, we're, we're opening presents with our grandkids, you know? I mean, it's that kind of thing. You're just like, I got to get through the holidays. And so it's that week between Christmas and New Year's. And, and so I just, I just pick up the phone and I call him and we have this, we have this uh, extended conversation. And it's like we're old friends and known each other all of our life. And, and I say, hey, I'd really love for you to come and to speak. And again, Bill's like, well, I would love to come and speak. And so I said, well, how about a Wednesday? And Bill says, hey, I'll come out in March. You know, only afterwards did I realize he speaks out 250 to 270 dates a year. I mean, the guy's gone all the time. He's overseas. And they say it's almost impossible to schedule him. In fact, when we wanted to have him back, he was like, well, that could take two or three years. I said, well, that's not going to work for us. <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> All I'm saying is, then Bill shows up, and, and Bill's, Bill's Bill, and, and Bill's precious. And since then, I've listened, you know, before then, I started listening to some of his messages, read a lot of his books. And honestly, uh, the things that people fear and are concerned about are things that people write about him, or, but I, I mean, I've not heard anything that's, that's off. And have delighted in the relationship that I have with, with him because it's challenged me. So like when he came out here, just to give you a sense, you know, he comes out here. And, and so what we did is we flew out so I could fly back with him so I could spend time with him talking to him. And because um, I knew he was busy, not going to be here very long. And so as we're on the plane, we just start talking with him. And um, I mean, Justin was with us, Brandon was with us, Debbie was there. And and uh, Bill just starts talking. And I mean, for the next three hours, he talks nonstop. He gets up for a moment to use the restroom and his wife says, I've never seen Bill ever do this like this ever. I've never ever seen this. Bill's very shy, he's very reserved. Never seen him sit and talk to somebody like this. But when we get off the plane, we're standing there at the airport. Brandon says to Debbie and I, do you think any of us are Christians? Because, <laughs> I mean, you're talking about 
a person whose walk with the Lord is extraordinary. Now, nobody's perfect, but I'm just telling you that conversation in that time was more impactful than anybody I've ever been with in my whole life. I've been with some great people who really influenced me and God has used in my life, but that, it was, it was exceptional. So during that time, what happens is I, um, you know, Bill's here. We don't know what's gonna happen. We don't have anything planned, but hundreds of people are healed. And it's the first time I've ever seen that in my home ministry here. And I mean, we've had people that have healing ministries come through, but I'd never seen anything like I had seen. And it was very, it wasn't about Bill, it was about you. Which is really, I'd never seen anything like that. I'd never seen a healing service where it wasn't about the person on the platform. It was about empowering the body of believers to do it. And I was just like, this is really, really unusual. So at that point, you know, I'm, I'm diagnosed with cancer. I know that when Bill's here and, you know, like, like some of you, maybe if you had an illness and Bill was here and you're like, man, I just hope he calls that out. I hope he says something because I didn't tell Bill. So why didn't you tell him? You know, I'm, I'm a complicated person. So um, anyway, we go through the weekend or we go through the day and but now, you know, I know I'm going to have surgery and they're telling me, listen, this surgery is going to be hard on you because it's your second surgery in, in nine months and, and um, your recovery time is going to be twice as long. And that's before I got the additional illness out there with the septic infection and all. But I purposed, I told Debbie, I said, during my convalescence, I'm not, I'm not going to waste my time. Because like the first time, I mean, I had my devotions, read my Bible, but I like what I can remember watching Star Wars reruns, and I'm like, man, you know, what a waste of time. I mean, really, I mean, you know how it goes. You can almost save the dialogue with them and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I said, I'm not doing that. I'm not watching the TV. I'm, I'm going to spend time with the Lord, and I'm going to come out of this time totally different. I'm going to press into God. And there were some really interesting encounters with the Lord during that time that I don't, I really, I want to talk about some other things. So I'll tell those at another time. But Debbie and I came back from California fundamentally different. Just how we did life is different. I'm not saying I've arrived. I'm just saying if you sense what's happening, I, th I think you need to know some of what's happened out of, in me and through me and the way, uh, the way I'm perceiving things. Uh, it's a work of the Lord that goes back to the fall of 2020. It's in, and God has used Bill, but Bill's not all God has used or the only person that God has used. But Debbie and I just, you know, just said, you know, we want all that God has. That's what we've said. And in the middle of all of this, it's, you know, at a season in your life when you would like to feel like you are, you've seen it all, heard it all, done it all, and you're really operating out of a competency because you've not your first rodeo, you've done it before. This is all really new territory. Because the Lord is moving in a powerful way. I don't know all that he's doing, but I can tell you this, and this has never happened before, Outside of, I told you about the Bible college professor that came and told me in 2001 about that there was gonna be a move of the Spirit of God in this building, in this place, in this church that was gonna be historic. 
Her name was Opal Redden. She said, the Lord has sent me to tell you something. She godly, godly little old lady from Arkansas had that sweet Southern accent. Pastor John? Yes, Dr. Redden. The Lord has a word for you. I said, great. What is it? He's going to pour his spirit out on this place from the front to the back, from the left to the right. I said, oh, that would be awesome. She said, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. He's going to do it in one sweeping move that will be historic. So I tucked that away, and I've thought about that at different times, but never seen anything that would evidence that. So in the last several months, what's happened is there's like a, a person out in North Carolina last fall sends this big prophetic word that is that James River is going to be a part of a great awakening. I've never met the person who's a preacher and has a credible ministry, and I, we don't know one another, but he said, God is, there's something going to happen. This was last fall. And then there have been, I mean, last week I got another prophetic word that said, there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like you've never seen. And essentially used the same language as Dr. <laughs> Dr. Redden. So I don't know what God's going to do. But I can tell you this, whatever God's doing, I want to be a part of it. So, I want, to, I want to say this as well. It's not my desire to make one thing happen. I couldn't if I tried. And the whole move of God is a very hard thing for, uh, I feel it's such a responsibility on the one hand for what happens. And... Um, I'll tell you this, just so because I think it's sometimes good for you to know kind of how I'm viewing all of this. I don't want to make anything happen. It was, it was last fall, it was in November. And, um, you know, I was still getting over last fall, I was still getting over the surgery and everything. I was, you know, physically pretty weak through most of the fall. And uh, you all prayed, and I'm telling you, God has done an amazing work to really help me. But Debbie and I, we, she, we drove home from church. We were sitting in the garage. And I said, you know, I, I, just, I just wish God would find somebody else to do this, you know, in terms of, of leading. I'm happy to participate and hold their hands up, but I just don't feel like I'm the guy. And, and because the weight, the pressure, you don't feel, you know, you constantly don't feel like you know what you're doing, which is probably a good place to be with God. But, but um so I want you to know I have no agenda. I have zero agenda. And I don't know what God will do. But I do know this. I know that prophetically the Lord is speaking that something is going to happen in this place that's historic. Yes. That it's building towards that. Yeah. Anybody who sits in this can tell that. Right. 
you know, I, I, my concern was at the holidays that kind of everything would dissipate. And I was like, I wonder how that works. You know, we're all doing Christmas and, and then what happens. And I mean, it was like, you know, it's just like the Lord said, you don't have to worry about that. That's not your problem. You didn't start it. You don't, you don't have to keep it going. All you have to do is just keep, stay out of my way and keep in step with me. That's all you have to do. So I... I just want you to know, I mean, because I think there are some folks that are from a different background. I know there are, and I, you know, uh, we're all on a journey, and I just want what God's going to do, because I really believe our country needs a great awakening. I really believe our city in Southwest Missouri desperately needs a revival that is a great awakening, and I believe it starts with praying people who are full of the Holy Spirit. That's how that works. And so, um, you know, again, this afternoon, I was reading about Azusa Street. I've shared some of this with you before. Let me just share a little bit about what happens when God moves. This is one example, and what he does here will be unique to us, but will be similar in the sense that it will, it will, there'll be many things that will be unexplainable, and there will be a lot of things that will make you uncomfortable. William Seymour was an African-American preacher who arrived in L.A. February 22, 1906, and began to hold meetings in a small storefront on Santa Fe Street. Actually, he showed up at a church, and he preached a message at a church, and he preached on the Holy Spirit from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And when he came back that night to preach again, they had padlocked the doors shut and chained them. They said, we don't want you to preach. And so friends took him to a house, and this is where he began to hold meetings. He was invited to hold a Bible study and prayer meetings at a house on Bonnie Bray Street. Seymour was praying for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and nobody was. So Seymour called for 10 days of fasting and prayer, and on April 9th, the power of God began to fall, slowly at first, and then built. The idea that Azusa Street was what it ultimately was right away isn't, that's not accurate. There's an increasing momentum as God does more and more and more and more, and there's an accumulation of his grace and the weight of his spirit that works in a place. This is what happened. God began pouring out his spirit on people, and initially it was a group, and then it was a larger group, and then it was more people, until finally what was happening was it became so intense that people started getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were coming from everywhere. After um, three days of this outpouring, so the outpouring hit, after three days, there was no way of getting near the house. As people came to the house, they fell under God's power, and the whole city was stirred. They moved to another building, to a stable. It was a building that had been a church at one time, but converted into a stable. It was 60 by 40, so it was not very big. But scores of people came, and it says, as they came, these are actual accounts, scores of people were seen dropping into prostate position in the streets before they ever reached the mission. Then many would get up speaking in tongues prior to attending the service. Many people reported falling under the power of God and receiving the baptism with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues while listening to Seymour preach from across the street. 
It says the power of God was so strong that creative miracles began to occur. Ears that did not exist formed in place. Arms that had been lost due to work accidents were reconstructed by the power of God. As the people prayed in the spirit, a literal fire would come out of the roof of the building. Other eyewitnesses reported seeing a holy glow emanating from the building that could be seen from several streets away. Others reported hearing sounds from the wooden building like explosions that reverberated around the neighborhood. Such phenomenon caused onlookers to call the fire department out on several occasions when the blaze or the explosion was reported at the mission building. But when the fire department came, there was no evidence of an explosion and the fire on the roof could not be put out. So they could actually see a fire and they couldn't put it out. Jeannie Evans Moore, who would one day become Seymour's wife, began to play beautiful music on an old upright piano and to sing in what people later said was Hebrew. Up until this time, she had never played the piano before, had never taken a lesson, but was now able to play the piano beautifully and was able to play that instrument for the rest of her life. Frank Bartleman writes, especially did the enchanting strains of the so-called, quote, heavenly choir, end quote, or hymns sung under the evident direction of the Holy Spirit, both as to words and tune, thrill my whole being. It was not something that could be repeated at will, but supernaturally given for each special occasion, and one is, was one of the most indisputable evidences of the presence and the power of God. Nothing so greatly impressed people as this singing at once inspiring a holy awe or feeling of indescribable wonder, especially if the hearers were in a devout attitude. What was happening was they were spontaneously breaking out in song, at times songs that they did not know, but they were singing in unison as the Spirit was prompting them. G.H. Lang reports that some who came to investigate were baptized in the Holy Spirit before they ever came to the meeting, they were baptized while staying at their lodging or their hotel. One foreign-born reporter had been assigned by his paper to record the, quote, circus-like, end quote, atmosphere in a comic relief fashion. He attended a nighttime meeting, sitting far in the back. In the midst of the meeting, a young woman began to testify about how God had baptized her with the Holy Spirit when she suddenly broke out into tongues. After the meeting, the reporter sought her out and asked her where she had learned the language of his native country. She answered she didn't have any idea what she said and that she spoke only English. He then related to her that she had given an entirely accurate account of his sinful life, all in the language of his native tongue. And it all started with 10 days of fasting and prayer. And second, and I'll wrap this up, the Spirit's coming results in power. You'll receive power, mighty power, miraculous power, supernatural power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. The result of, of Peter and John and the church's prayer, Acts chapter 4 and verse 33, I love this, with great power, that's mega power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and mega grace 
was upon them all. So there was a mega grace on the people that was enabling them to do all kinds of mighty miracles. And we read about that in Acts chapter 5. They performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. Crowds gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by the evil spirits. And all of them were healed. So they prayed for, bold, they prayed for boldness and they prayed for miracles, signs and wonders, and God's answer to that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I just wanna to suggest to you tonight that that's what God wants to do. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? If not, you know, I don't know what your journey's been. It really doesn't matter because the word is the word and it's true. And the fact you haven't yet means you're not going to. I mean, it doesn't mean you're not going to. It means, you know, tonight could be your night. I say, let faith rise in your heart. Believe God doesn't. Believe this is a time when God is doing supernatural things and believe that as you pray, God fills you full. And then there's others. And I think you really have to evaluate. Not have you been filled because sometimes people say, well, I've been filled. Well, great. If you've been filled, I think that's fantastic. My question is, are you bold and are you bold enough to show up on the chip aisle and to pray for somebody you don't know for healing and when it doesn't happen, say, well, let's try that again and see God do it. Are you bold enough to do that? And if you're not, then the fact of the matter is you're not as bold as you ought to be. You say, well, I could never do that. You're right, you never could, but the Holy Spirit in you can make you make it possible for you to do it in a way that would trans. I mean, hey, what's what are the odds of Jody going to somebody and saying, I just feel the comfort of the Lord? Do you know what I thought when Jody told that story this morning? I was like, a lot of people would have stopped when the server said, Well, I lost my daughter in December. They just said, Oops, I think I probably am talking to the wrong person, you know, because this the whole thing looks like it could go sideways in a hurry. But when you're walking in the holy power of the Holy Spirit, you know, Jody correctly saw, no, God did send me to you. He's close to the brokenhearted. God saw the daughter of a preacher who hadn't been in church for years, who was grieving and couldn't understand and sent a spirit-filled believer to announce to this person that God was close to her. That's what he wants to do. And when we do that outside the walls, I'm happy to see it in, and we're going to see more in. But if it only happens in and doesn't happen out, it will die. But in order for us to be what God wants us to be and go, you know what I'm praying? If you were asked, John, what are you praying for? I'm praying for the greatest baptism in the Spirit I've ever had. I am definitely unsatisfied. I'm definitely saying, God, I thank you for what I have, but it's not enough for where you want to take me and where I want to go. And so, God, I'm just praying. I'm just praying, Lord, fill me full. Fill me full. Fill me like I've never been filled before. Right? 